Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to visit southernhillslv.com to watch or listen to past messages. We hope you enjoy today's message from God's Word. Luke chapter 2 is where we're at. Luke chapter 2. And right after the uh, birth of Jesus, right after the shepherds, we've studied that all through December, Luke records a story that is only found in Luke. And it's about these two prophets, and Luke is very intentional. Matter of fact, the gospel of Luke is uh, the most detail-oriented out of all the gospels. He includes some stories and some details that some of the other ones don't include. There's a beauty in the way the gospels work together. And so Luke here records a story about two prophets and a baby. It's only recorded in Luke. And these two prophets' reaction and reception of the Christ child intentionally frames the viewpoint of the reader to understand something. Luke is desperately trying to communicate a great truth to the person who's reading his narrative. And here's the truth, that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of our grandest hopes. As we kick off a brand new year, as we're hopeful of what God might do in this new year, may we walk away from today with this truth, Jesus is the source of all of our most wonderful hopes. Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the place that we can find true hope. What can we learn from these two prophets, Simeon and Anna, about the hope that only Jesus can give and how that can shape my heart and my mind going into this new year? Let's read Luke chapter 2 together, picking up in verse 25. The Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. What a great truth. What a great question to ask ourselves in this brand new year. Have our eyes seen the salvation of Jesus? Verse 31, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Now there was one, here's our second prophet, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. So she got married, she was a virgin, she got married, lived with her husband seven years. Then verse 37, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. What truth can we learn from this story? What is Luke so poignantly trying to point us to, what is he trying to help us understand about the arrival, about the coming, about the Christ child? 
How can our hearts and minds wrap around what Luke is trying to communicate to us through this passage and through these prophets? The first truth that Simeon teaches us is that not only is Jesus our hope fulfilled, but that when Jesus fulfills our hope, watch this, Simeon's attitude is, number one, an attitude of anticipation. What is Luke trying to teach us about these prophecies? He's trying to teach us that hope anticipates. Hope leans forward over the banister of life and says, what is God going to do today? In this beautiful story of Simeon, I like what the NLT, how it records it, Luke 2.25. It says, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. I love that phraseology. I love that word. He was eagerly waiting for the consolation of Israel or for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Luke was very specific with his words here. Knowing that he's writing to a broad multicultural audience, Luke leans in on this idea that here's Simeon eagerly waiting for God to show up. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you eagerly waiting to see what God's gonna do in 2022? Are you eagerly waiting for God to move in and show up on the scene of your life, maybe in a, in a new way, an unexpected way? Are you waiting and asking God saying, God, what will you do? What are you calling me to? How will you show up in this brand new year? We just came through the season of Christmas, right? How many had just a wonderful time? Christmas was amazing. Christmas was awesome. You had a great time. Christmas at my house right now is a big deal. I say right now because I've got a three-year-old, Gatlin. I've got a one-year-old, Scotland. So Christmas, Christmas is everything. <clears throat> that means I got like one or two presents and my kids had like 20, right? That's what Christmas is at my house right now, right? <clears throat> so Gatlin being three, he's beginning to learn kind of the excitement and, and the, the joy and the anticipation that comes at Christmas time. Now, here's what I found. There are two types of people in the world when it comes to Christmas, all right? There are types of people that when the tree is up, there has to be presents under the tree. How many of you, that's you. You're that type of person. If the tree is up, there's gotta be something, a present under that tree. Let me see one more time. Me and five people. Cool. Okay, that's me. <laughs> Man, if the tree is up, I don't know if it's like leftover from, from when I was a kid. I remember my parents worked hard and they tried to provide and get some, you know, presents under the tree and all that stuff. And so we'd have one or two things to open at Christmas and I'm fine, I promise, you know. And uh, I don't know if, if, if that's what it is, but when Christmas happens, I remember one year my wife and I had just got married and we had uh, moved to Texas and we were living there in a, in a one-bedroom apartment and we put our little tree up. I think I have a picture of it somewhere. And I look back at it now and I'm like, man, that tree was so sad. <laughs> you know, and so we put our little tree up and I remember I went and found empty boxes and I wrapped the empty boxes and put them under the tree because if a Christmas tree is up, there's gotta be a present underneath. You know what I mean? Even though I knew there's nothing in there, there's gotta be a present underneath. Then there's the other people in the world that are like, yeah, Christmas, Christmas, whatever, you know, if presents come, that's awesome. How many of you are like that? Wow, nobody. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> I'm glad you're relating. So we're teaching, we're teaching my son that Christmas has this like joy and this like anticipation that comes with it. So we wrap up a couple presents. My wife had been uh, super smart and snagged a couple deals on Black Friday and ordered some things on Amazon, got them to come in. And so sure enough, we wrap them the night before. Christmas tree is up. We put them, I think we put up the tree right, right that, that weekend. And uh, we put the gifts under the tree. The next morning, my son wakes up, Gatlin, he's three. Walks out to the Christmas tree. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Guess what a three-year-old wants to do when he sees presents under the tree? 
Yeah, he wants to open them then and there. You know what I mean? It's like, sweet, there's a present, I'm gonna open it. So he goes over, snags the present, pulls it out from under the tree. You know, and I'm just, I'm just dad, I'm just sipping my coffee, like, yeah, have fun, son. <laughs> and I'm just like watching him. And my wife, who's incredibly wise and incredibly wonderful at parenting, my wife looks at me and goes, now Gatlin, there's gonna be more presents that come over the next couple weeks in anticipation of Christmas. Christmas is December 25th and Gatlin, we've gotta wrap all these presents and there'll be other presents under the tree. And once we open all the presents, Christmas is over. So you've gotta wait until all the presents come and for Christmas to be there. And then when you open them all, Christmas is over. And you can see like the light bulb in Gatlin's mind, you know what I mean? Like, okay, cool, more presents. If I wait, more presents will come and then Christmas will be even better. And I'm like, forget it, open them now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just over there like, Let, let's go, you know? And so sure enough, you, we feel, we see that anticipation build. My wife decided one morning, a couple weeks had passed, some more presents had come. She decided to use reverse psychology on him. He goes out there one morning and she goes, Gatlin, do you want to open all the presents today? And he goes, oh, no, because if I do, crickets will be over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's got him trained, you know? Here's the reality, though. Gatlin is learning a beautiful lesson, and here's the lesson. He's learning that joy is not found simply in consuming, but also in contemplating, right? There's a joy, there's a hope, there's a beauty that comes when we expect something to happen, when we're looking forward to something to happen, and not just when the gifts are open. Now, the reality is Christmas morning came, we tore through all the gifts, all the wrapped paper got thrown away, and then batteries got put in the toys. And then two hours later, when all the batteries were dead, there's disappointment, right? Now, here's the, here's the reality. When it comes to earthly things, when it comes to Christmas, when it comes to gifts, eventually there will be a disappointment. I'm not asking this morning, how many of you got exactly what you wanted and how many of you didn't? <laughs> I'm not asking that question. We're old enough and we've lived long enough to realize that things on earth eventually may disappoint. But watch this this morning. We're learning this incredible truth from the first prophet in our story, Simeon, that he had fixed his hope on the one who would never disappoint. He had fixed his anticipation on Jesus. This is what Simeon understood. Simeon had set his sights on the hope found only in Jesus. This is what the writer Luke encourages and points us to when he says he was eagerly waiting for the Lord's Christ. Can I ask you something? Do you have an anticipation of hope that Jesus is gonna show up in your life in this upcoming year and do something that only he can do? What a great question to ask ourselves if we truly have the hope of Jesus living inside of us, then what are we expecting Jesus to do? You see, for Simeon, his rhythm of faithfulness to the Lord's house, look, look, look at what Simeon was known for. The Bible says, Simeon, he was just and devout. Simeon was, was known, he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Simeon was known for his rhythm of faithfulness and his rhythm of faithfulness allowed him to enjoy the rewards of hope. Can I encourage you with something, friend? I, I don't know what your year looks like. I don't know what you're hoping your year to look like, but can I encourage you with this? When you develop a rhythm of hope, a rhythm of expectation, wanting and asking God to move in and do something that only God can do, do you realize something? You will begin to enjoy the rewards of hope found in Jesus. 
of expectation found in Jesus. Peter puts it this way in his first epistle, 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have this incredible hope found in Jesus. We have this incredible expectancy, this incredible awareness. Here it is, this incredible anticipation that walking and following and serving Jesus brings. Can I ask you, what are you hoping will happen this year? What are you anticipating might happen this year? For Simeon, he placed his hope in Jesus and it was fulfilled. You know, often God does his best work when our faith has to learn the lesson of patience. I'm not just talking about, man, I hope that, you know, it's the youth pastor preaching, next gen pastor preaching today. I hope that he lets us out early. <laughs> I'm not just talking about like, I hope that we get in the car, everybody can agree on one place to go eat today, you know, which would be a miracle on a Sunday, right? I'm not just talking about like, here's these small hopes. I'm talking about what have you been praying for for years? What, 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 what's a hope that God has placed in your heart? Think about Simeon who for years Decades, a long time had been showing up in his rhythm of faithfulness, enjoying the rewards of hope and just knowing, hey, one day I'll be able to see Jesus. What are you asking for God to move in and do that, that, that's a big thing that only he can do? What are you waiting for? What are you anticipating that God might do? We don't know a whole lot about Simeon because Luke's the only one who records the story, but more Orthodox churches record history and they teach that Simeon might have even been one of the translators of the Septuagint. All that means is this, if that were true, then Simeon would have been close to 200 years old, which is like a miraculous time to live, right? <clears throat> we don't know that, that's not factual, that's just something that other history books have recorded, so we don't place our faith and hope in that. But how incredible to know that Simeon hadn't just been waiting a couple years or a couple decades, watch this, Simeon had been waiting his whole life to see hope fulfilled in Jesus. Hope anticipates. Hope asks God to do what only God can do. I'm so thankful and privileged as the next-gen pastor to serve with a majority of our young people here at our church. I'm thankful for our kids' pastor, Pastor Andrew. By the way, did you see that big um, inflatable walk-in? If you have uh, Uptown kids that are over there at Doral, if, if not, look at it when you go out. We have this brand new archway that kids can walk through. And the number one question we get is, can I jump on it? No. Okay, so um, <laughs> it's awesome, but make sure you look at that. I'm so thankful for Pastor Andrew, for our Kadopolis team, for all that God is doing in and through them. And I'm thankful to work with The Ascent. We've got a winter retreat coming up. If you're a teenager, make sure you sign up for the winter retreat. I'm excited about it. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be incredible. I'm looking forward to it. By the way, I might have pics of the merch that we're gonna get. So see me and I'll sell them to you, the, the pics early. Okay, so um, <clears throat> for insider info. No, just kidding. I'm thankful to work with our hillside, our, our young adults. But, I, and I'm so thankful to partner with, I'm, I'm, I think in the beginning of the service, they had an announcement for Growing Kids God's Way. The Maris teach that class. I'm so thankful to work with, all the uh, deacons and leaders in our church that invest and serve the families of our church. I think about this passage, hope anticipates, and think about the parents of our church. And maybe you're a parent in our church who is you know, working, whether it's from home or at home or going out to your job, and then you come home, and then you're trying to invest, and you're trying to patiently train and lovingly correct your children. I, I saw a parenting post recently that said, what do you do when children aren't just pushing your buttons they're mashing them, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
What do you do when that's happening? I think about the parents of our church and my prayer for the parents of our church is found in the lifestyle of Simeon that Simeon anticipated God to do what only God could do in his life. Simeon teaches us that joy and hope are available during the process of patience. You know, it's tempting. Again, I've got a one and a three-year-old. It's tempting to think as a parent that if my children will just fill in the blank, then everything will be okay, right? Uh, we bought <clears throat> my son and my one-year-old daughter, we bought them like a play kitchen. Creative play is just starting for, for my three-year-old, so they've got this play kitchen. So I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and we bought them a shared gift. We have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, <laughs> and we bought them a shared gift. Pray for me. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> and they're learning kind of like how to share things and, you know, how to do all that. And in that process, it's tempting for me as a parent to just think, if I can just get my children to get along and behave and coerce them into getting along, then everything will be okay. But friend, hear the words of Simeon, look at the lifestyle of Simeon, and knowing that as a parent, I'm not playing the short game of coercion, I'm playing the long game of only God can transform their hearts into loving each other and sharing with each other, right? I think about the parents in our church who are investing, and watch this, your greatest patience is producing your greatest hope. You're playing the long game as in the 18-year-old game. 18 years, you're gonna invest and love. I'm looking at not just parents, but grandparents that now maybe your kids have graduated and now they're out on their own. And you're praying and hoping and waiting for God to move in their life. And listen, it's tempting to think if my kids would just do this the way I do this or follow me in this area or talk, walk, and act this specific way, then I'll know that everything is okay and then my hope is fulfilled. But watch this. Our tendency to think that joy comes when hope is fulfilled is wrong because Simeon teaches us that joy and hope are available during the process of patience. As he faithfully attended the things of the Lord, watch this, Jesus was his hope. Not just the day Jesus showed up, but all the days leading up to it. For every parent in here, I like what, I like what Tom Stoppard, a British playwright and screenwriter, said. He said this, because children grow, grow up, we think a, ch a child's purpose is to grow up. But a child's purpose is to be a child. <laughs> I'm learning that, right? A child's purpose is just to be a child. But as a parent, I'm playing the long game in it. And I have to step back sometimes and say, all right, God, I want my hope for my children to anticipate that you will do something in their life. That I'll not force something and I'll not make something happen. I'll not be the one to say, hey, this is exactly how you're gonna be and what you're gonna do and how you're gonna live, but that as I guide them, as I fulfill my role as their parent, that God will do what only God can do. We being, uh, parent, I, I encourage you, when hope leans forward with anticipation of what God is gonna do, we find ourselves able to operate in the patience that only the Holy Spirit can provide. We begin to understand that we cannot coerce a heart in our child for Jesus, and that coercion in the long run isn't the goal. I like how Paul David Tripp puts it in his book, Parenting. I think we have this quote on the screen. He says this, so your hope as a parent is not found in your power, your wisdom, your character, your experience, or your success, but in this one thing alone, the presence of your Lord, the creator, savior, almighty, sovereign king is with you. Let your heart rest. You are not in this parenting drama alone. Your potential is greater than the size of your weakness because the one who is without weakness is with you. And he does his best work through those who admit that they are weak 
but in weakness still heed his call. What a wonderful reminder as you head into the new year, if you're a parent or a grandparent, whatever your hopes are for your children, can I encourage you with something? Will you just lean over the balcony of life and say, God, do something in my child's life and heart that only you can do, that only you can bring to pass because Jesus, my hope is not in my own ability. My hope is not in my own wisdom. My hope is not in my own character. My hope is not in my own experience or success, but my hope is in Jesus. This is what Simeon teaches us, that as he faithfully fulfilled the duties of his priesthood, the day when Jesus came up, he said, hey, this is, this is what I've been waiting for. Jesus is my hope. Maybe you're not a, a parent or a grandparent today. Maybe instead you're hoping for a relationship. Uh, maybe if this relationship would just improve or this relationship would just change or this relationship would just show up, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus, I'm here. <laughs> Where's all the single ladies? You know, I, I don't know what your prayer is, right? <clears throat> but you're here and you're saying, all right, Jesus, I'm hoping in you. How are you gonna come through for me? Watch this, friend. I would say to you, learn from Simeon and cultivate the relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you in a plain path in this new year of 2022. And as you focus on him, as you build that relationship, watch this, he will bring you that day to that place where you can say, man, Jesus fulfills my hopes. Maybe for you it's not children, maybe for you it's not relationship, maybe for you it's a career. And friend, to you I would say learn from Simeon and don't look to this world for something it can't provide. Only Jesus can give you an everlasting hope. Only Jesus, like Peter said, can give you a living hope that does not subside. Maybe for you it's not a relationship or a career. Maybe for you it's just clarity. You don't know what to do next. You don't know where to go next. You don't know what the next step forward is for you. And to you, I would say, Simeon's hope-inspired vision, learn from him. Simeon's hope-inspired vision was so focused so clear, so singular, that when his hope had been fulfilled, he said, all right, God, I'm done. Take me home now. God, I'm, I'm so focused on what you want me to do that when you fulfill those hopes, I'm here for whatever the next step is. Wow, why not anticipate where God might want you to find clarity? Not by putting all this pressure on yourself to figure everything out and make it just perfect, but instead by simply taking the yoke of Jesus upon you. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I work with a, a lot of teenagers and <clears throat> young people and so thankful for what God is doing through our Ascent, our, our youth ministry and um, how he's just using it to, to encourage and, and teach young people. But you know what I find the hardest truth? It's the simplest truth, but it's also the hardest truth for young people to believe is. We've been so programmed by this world to just believe that life is just an accident and life is just happenstance and life is just not what you know, but who you know, and all these isms from life that young people have a hard time, not just believing at head knowledge, but truly believing, watch this, that God loves them and that God has a plan for them. That God specifically has a plan for exactly where they are, the mess in the middle, the things they can't explain, the things they can't make sense of, God can use all of those things to bring his incredible, beautiful will to pass. And it's true for you too. God has a plan for you. I don't know if maybe you've lost some of the wonder, if you've lost some of the anticipation of what God might do in your new year, in your marriage, in your relationships, in everything, if you just focus on him. 
I don't know what God might bring to pass if you just say, God, I, I, I'm here for you. And I want to be like Simeon and just be faithful and just trust you and place my hope in you and anticipate what you're going to do. I like what Bob Goff says in his book, Love Does. He says this, every day God invites us on the same kind of adventure. It's not a trip where he sends a rigid itinerary. He simply invites us. God asks what it is he's made us to love. What it is that captures our attention, what feeds that deep, indescribable need of our souls to experience the richness of the world he made. And then, leaning over us, he whispers, let's go do that together. What a beautiful truth. What an incredible way to view God. And maybe you're like me and your view of God has been shaped and uh, uh, misshaped by this world to believe like, okay, well, I just got to go and do my thing. And I, I just, uh, you know, case you're it'll happen if it happens. No, 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 friend. God wants us to learn from Simeon and to realize, man, if I anticipate with hope that God can do something this year that only he can do, I can trust him, I can rely on him, I can believe that he will bring something to pass. If it's true that we learn from Simeon that hope anticipates or the way hope watches is with anticipation, then from Anna we learn this truth, hope announces. We learn the words that hope uses. Let's look at who Luke informs us that Anna was and why that's significant. He tells us right off the bat that she had been widowed for 84 years. She got married, she lived happily for seven years, and then her spouse passed. And for 84 years, she has lived at the temple worshiping God. While Simeon's hope had been born out of great patience, Anna's hope had been born out of great pain. It's obvious even by the way she chooses to deny herself to get more of God. She serves God with fastings and prayers day and night. Everything about Anna says less of me and more of him. Anna had been through this great tragedy in her life and she had learned that when God was all she had, God was all she needed. And now here she is 84 years later and watch this. Luke points out one brilliant truth to us, the casual reader. Luke says this about Anna. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord, watch this, and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. The truth that Anna teaches us about hope is that hope is intentional about the words it uses. Anna, who had every right to have a glass half empty type of lease on life, had been so transformed by the hope of Jesus that when she hears he has come, she speaks words of life to anyone who will listen. It wasn't that Anna just happened to pass by Simeon announcing who Jesus was on one particular day by happenstance or chance. It was that Anna had made serving God her way of life. When it became all she had, when God became all she had, she realized he was all she needed. So when the opportunity came for her to bear witness of the hope that she had in God, her words became an overflow of a deeply rooted life, a wellspring of goodness that showered down on those around her. Hope chooses its words carefully, for it knows that words are seeds that will eventually bring forth fruit. From Simeon, we learn this wonderful, hope-filled truth that hope anticipates. And from Anna, we learn this deep truth that hope announces and is intentional with the words that it uses. A great question to ask ourselves in the beginning of the year is this question, what words have I been using? Not just over the last couple weeks with the merriment of Christmas, but I'm talking about over the last couple months, am I someone who speaks life? And am I someone who speaks 
encouragement? Am I someone who is willing to lift up others and speak grace and truth? Later in the book of Luke, Luke chapter six, Jesus is teaching and Luke records these words, Luke 6, 44, for every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What a great question to ask ourselves and to remind us of this morning. What words am I speaking over the lives of the people I come in contact with? What words am I speaking to myself? What words am I speaking over my kids' lives? And what words am I speaking to the lost who I come in contact with? Or what words am I speaking to my own spouse? When the opportunity arises, what words do I speak behind the back of someone that I say I love? What kind of words do I speak? For Anna, she spoke words that built up and not words that tore down. For Anna, she spoke words that were an overflow of the abundance of her heart, where she had learned for 84 years to focus on the hope that is found only in Jesus. I think it's a fair question to ask myself. I think it's a fair question to ask ourselves, do I speak words that portray my hope is in Jesus? Do I speak words to people, over people, around people that say I am focused on who Jesus is for me and who Jesus can be for you? I like what Clear Reeve says. She says this, if everything you said came true, what would your life be like? Would the words you speak make you stronger or would your words tear you down? Would others be blessed? Would the world be more at peace? Live as if your words can change the world because they can, especially yours. The declarations of our lips determine the direction we travel. Friend, in this new year, can I encourage you, can I challenge myself with this one truth as we focus on the hope found only in Jesus? That's Luke's whole point in chapter two of pointing us to these prophets because both of them say, Jesus is our hope. For Simeon, Jesus is our hope that anticipates what God can do. I don't know what struggle, I don't know what trial, I don't know what burden, I don't know what relationship, I don't know what area of your life you need to have the hope of Jesus anticipating. You need to lean forward and say, God, you need to do something in this area. Learn that truth from Simeon. And then from Anna, I don't know what words maybe you need to check your heart over and say, wait a minute, God, I, I, I've been speaking the, these type of words. And Lord, when these words are spoken to me, here's how I <clears throat> react. Here's how I respond. Friend, let us learn the lesson from Anna that no matter what life may throw at us, if we have the hope of Jesus living inside of us, it will be revealed by the words we speak. As we enter this new year, guess what? Your church attendance right now is perfect. You've made it, you're here. First Sunday of the year, you're here. Guess what, can I challenge you with something? In the same way Simeon anticipated what Jesus was gonna do, just by his rhythm of faithfulness. Can I encourage you to develop that rhythm of faithfulness to Jesus? I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know where you can say, I know where our church is, uh, so many people, so many different walks of life. Maybe you work sometimes Sunday mornings. I don't know what the case is, but can I encourage you? Just get alone with God and say, God, will you help me develop a rhythm of faithfulness to you? And then can we get alone with God on this first Sunday of the year and say, God, will you help me to be someone who speaks words of hope? From the oldest person in here, man, I, I wanna make sure, I'll close with this. My wife and I, we're, we're at Costco because all good Christians have Costco memberships. And uh, my... <laughs> 
my wife and I were at Costco, I don't know, a couple months ago. <clears throat> and uh, if you're smart, you go to Costco around lunchtime for two reasons. Number one, they just started giving out the free samples again. You're welcome. Number two, Costco lunch is cheap, amen. <laughs> so <clears throat> we go to Costco, we get all our stuff, we check out, we go and sit down, we get the $1.50 dog and, and soda or whatever it is. God bless America and Costco, okay. And then we get a slice of pizza <clears throat> and we sit down and there, there's an there's a older gentleman whose name was Simeon. No, just kidding. There, there, there's an older gentleman who's sitting a couple tables over. And he's on the phone. He's like, well, I'll tell you one thing. You know, he's just having a big time. He's talking, all that stuff. So we sit down. And our family, kids, all that stuff. We're shoving food in them. You know, and we're there and we're taking care of it all. And a couple minutes goes by and he kind of looks up. He's got an old weathered Chicago Cubs hat on. And he looks up and kind of catches eyes with me, wave. I say, hey, how you doing? He's like, hey, I'm good. He's like, ah, oh, man, I just love seeing your kids. I miss, I miss when my kids were that young. Matter of fact, when my kids got older and they had kids, I told them, come drop them at my house and then leave. I don't want you anymore. I want my grandbabies, you know? <laughs> so he just starts talking. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He talks five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. He's just going on. He's just smiling. He's just happy. He's like, man, I just, I, I love, you know, I try, try to invest. And, you know, my, my wife and I, we met in Chicago and I actually played in a farm league. I played AAA baseball for the Chicago Cubs, and he's just telling me his life story. And we spent about 15 minutes together and just, just had a good time. We're just standing there, you know, just, just kind of talking and all that stuff, and like, hey, we, you know, we gotta go and all that stuff. And so we walk out, we're walking out of Costco, and my wife looks at me and says this, man, I, you know, I hope that when we get to be his age, we're as joy-filled and hope-filled as that guy just was. And that, that's not a criticism, that's an encouragement that this year, I don't, I don't care what your age is. And I mean that with as much respect as possible. I don't care what your age is. Can I ask you something? Do you have the hope of Jesus living inside of you? And if you do, do your words portray it? How about to the youngest person in here, to the teenagers in this room? Can I ask you something? Do your words portray hope to your parents and to your grandparents? Do they portray love and respect and encouragement? Find those opportunities to just step back and anticipate what Jesus is gonna do and then find those opportunities to announce life and love because that's what Jesus gives and that's what Jesus does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your blessing. Lord, as we look forward on this, just the second day of the year to what you're gonna do, God, right now, I pray a, a prayer of blessing over these people in your house. God, I, I pray that in the same way Joseph and Mary marveled at what was said by Simeon over Jesus, Lord, we would be able to just look out over this year and marvel at what you're gonna do, how you're gonna come through, how, how you're gonna work, how you're gonna show yourself strong in our behalf. And then Lord, as they went away praising God, I pray that would be our heart and our hope for others too, that our words would speak life and hope to those we come in contact with. We love you and we thank you for who you are and all that you're gonna do in this upcoming year. We ask these things in your name. If God has used this message to impact your life, we would love to hear from you. Please send an email to connectdesk at southernhillslv.com. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at southernhillslv.com slash give. We are always encouraged to hear how God is using this church in Las Vegas to reach God's people around the world.